for me, realizing that the divine isn't scared and isn't scared of our dirt and our dust and our flaws and our sicknesses and our illnesses, the way I think the church is so obsessed with sin, right? We're just staring at that all the time. And we're so convinced ourselves that that God hates that and, and wants to purge us of that. But it's a never ending cycle of doom because it never gets done because we are sinners. You know, like that's all we're going to do in the eyes of the church. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Exvangelical Podcast, where being labeled a heretic is a good thing, if it means refusing to conform to toxic, harmful expressions of faith. We address your questions about God, politics, how we got here, and how to move forward. Nothing is off limits in our conversations with scholars, spiritual seekers, and activists in our quest to uncover the heart of faith. We're your hosts, Melanie and Gary Ellen, and this is Holy Heretics. Leaving evangelicalism is tough, but it can be even tougher when you're just full of questions, especially questions about the text upon which your faith used to be based. If the Bible isn't what we were taught, what is it? Does it even matter anymore? If it's not the Word of God, can it be trusted? Is it okay to just not read it anymore? Spoiler, it is. Our brand new digital course, Making Sense of the Bible Post-Deconstruction, will be a safe place to ask these kinds of questions and to learn more about the history of this complicated text while dialoguing with other ex-evangelicals about the experience of letting go of this black and white framework in favor of a more nuanced and loving one. Join us live in July for an incredible journey through the Bible. For the time being, this course is only open to Patreon patrons, so if you're interested in how to make a sense of the Bible post-deconstruction, head to www.sophiasociety.org and click on the banner at the top to learn all about the course and how to become a patron. But don't wait, because registration for the course closes July 1st, 2021. Today we're chatting with two people who know what it feels like to be outsiders. Flamey Grant and Ben Grace. Flamey Grant is what happens when a queer kid with dreams of being a pastor keeps getting kicked out of church. She becomes a singing, preaching, polygender drag queen who creates a podcast about apostasy. And Ben Grace was raised in a divergent sect of Christianity called the Christadelphians, but left Australia to write songs about our universal search for belonging, spiritual homecoming, and desire to live seen and unashamed. Together, they are the half of the host team for Heathen Podcast, where for the past five years, they have been hosting safe space for folks in the process of moving away from their religious origins into uncharted territory, providing resources and welcoming uncomfortable conversations about identity, faith, patriarchy, race, spirituality, and what it really means to do community without shame. What a mission. Uh, so welcome to both of you. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. And uh, isn't Karen just the best wordsmith that we have on our team? We, did, we, we didn't We didn't write most of those words. Most of that we got to give credit to Karen for. But yeah, thank you for having us. All right. So Flamey and Ben, I my guess is we could go in a thousand different directions, but let's just start with something simple, can both of you share uh, just a little bit about your spiritual journeys and why you wanted to either start or be a part of Heathen Podcast? 
We can. You want me to kick it off, Ben? Sure. All right. All right. Okay. Here we go. Uh, so I'm Flamey. Um, that's my my drag name, my stage name, and the name I use on the podcast as well on Heathen. Um, I uh, I grew up in Western North Carolina. I grew up in a church tradition called Plymouth Brethren. Um, it's not what you think it is based on that name. <laughs> There's nothing to do with the Brethren Church, and most folks just just haven't heard of it. It's really small, um, but it's it's a it's about as fundamentalist, conservative, uh, literal, biblical, interpretive kind of uh, situation you can get into. Um, I grew up, you know, believing that my my mom and my sister were somehow lesser because they weren't permitted to speak in our church. They had to cover their hair, uh, cover their heads. Um, uh, and then I, I grew up with this like uh, complex just just because I I had a penis that I was going to be somehow. A, a major leader in the church and like that was just going to be a role that was destined for me and what was expected of me so um i as you as you read my my short little bio there <laughs> didn't work out that way mm-hmm. um i i spent a, a good couple decades in the church um just trying to find my place and um and i wanted it i wanted to be there i, I wanted to I, I did have a a passion to to be a part of um just making people's lives better. And because church was the only context I ever had growing up, it was the only option ever presented to me. It's, it's what I pursued for a long time. And, um, and I did that through church planting, through worship leading, um, you know, being on staffs at, at mega churches, being on staffs at a teeny tiny startup. And, um, it just, you know, never, never fully worked out because my journey, uh, uh, over, over the course of a very long time, uh, you know, led me to come out, um, and in, in stages, you know, coming out initially, just, just kind of admitting to a few close friends that I struggle with same sex attraction, <laughs> um, all the Trademark. way to, yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Trademark, <laughs> uh, all the way to, you know, finally, uh, accepting myself for who I am and, and, uh, uh, you know, choosing to actually date people of the same uh, sex as me. And, um, and, you know, at, at every point along the way, uh, you know, I found, uh, found those pressure points in the church where I was, I was pushing boundaries that were too far. And, um, so mm. yeah, I got kicked out of a couple of them, including the one I helped to start. And, um, <laughs> you know, at, at some point I, 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 I just had to, I still, I still have the drive. I still have the, I still feel compelled to, <sighs> be a part of, of the spiritual conversation and to, I'm just never, I've never been a butt in a seat. I can't do that. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I have to participate. I have to be part of the making of the thing. It's just what I do. So how I'm wired. And I was like, well, if nobody's going to let me like be a part of what they're making, I'll just have to make something myself. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I started Heathen in, well, I guess that was 2017. Um, and it was mostly just to help answer, like to give me space to answer the questions I was having to, to process mm-hmm. stuff out loud and with other people, because that is also how I operate. I'm very much an external processor. I don't know how I feel until I talk about it. And um, so I just called up a bunch of friends that I'd met along the way and folks who'd been on similar journeys as me, people who'd left the church or just, you know, who I knew had issues with the church or, you know, had experiences that were were comparable or, or, um, things they wanted to talk about. And 
eventually that led me to Karen, um, who became my, my co-host in the second season of the podcast. And, and of course, through Karen, we met Ben and um, our lovely friend Anissa uh, uh, has joined. And we just have a lovely little, lovely little crew of people who are hanging out. Um, we talk to just like you guys. We we talk to folks from from anywhere we can find them who have interesting stories to tell or or things to say, and it's it's been great to to feel like I'm part of something that um, is moving uh, people forward in, in in a way with their their own spirituality. And um, you know, I feel like I feel like the the whole dream of being a pastor. I can do that in drag. It turns out and. Um, <laughs> And and do it better, honestly, than I ever probably could have in, in other scenarios. So hmm. that's my little quick and dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and for those listeners who haven't uh, counted Flaming Grant before, you should also put, uh, get onto TikTok and see Flaming Grant on TikTok. The the platform that uh, they're just crushing on there is amazing, and I, I think it's a real testament as well to the people who respond and the people mm. who come back and, and talk about how. It's so needed to hear these words from a drag queen and mm. um, just how it reframes so much of that stuff. And I think mm. you know, a lot of spiritual communities are obsessed with reframing. <laughs> and and I think that it is really, really different, the message um, coming from really divergent spaces. Like that's, that's what I've got, got me really curious. Mm. So what oh, about you, Ben? What's, what about me? what's right. your background? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thanks yeah. for that plug. Right. <laughs> but talk about you now. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm Ben Grace. I was born in Sydney, Australia, into this tiny little community called the Christadelphians. Uh, there's about 50,000-ish worldwide. Um, so, very similar, I think, to Plymouth Brethren. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flaming and I have bonded a lot over our experiences <laughs> uh, as children. Be like, wow, this is so, so similar. You mm-hmm. know, it comes down to the oppression of women. Uh, that's kind of a central kind of obsession uh, with the Christadelphian faith. Um, and... And they're, they're very uh, proud of the fact that they're not like other Christians. Uh, they're non-Trinitarian. Uh, they have a bunch of uh, beliefs, some of which are actually are kind of good. Like they don't believe in a supernatural devil. The problem is they put all that shit onto us. You know, mm, so yeah. mm. we are the absolute scourge and we are uh, completely sinful and there's nothing we can ever do about it. Hmm. Um, so I think as a – I remember for me kind of when I was 11 years old, I was sitting in a particularly boring sermon. And I started flipping through the book of Isaiah and we were obsessed with Bible marking, you know, all the Bible marking pens and the crayons and the <laughs> yeah. whole thing. So yep. inside my leather bound, you know, wide mar- margin Oxford King James version, I, I had a pink pencil and I started coloring in justice in the book of Isaiah. Mm. And by the end of the sermon, uh, when we got up to sing like the hymn right after the, the sermon, I just looked around my white middle class church and it all just changed in my head. I was like, mm. I just don't think any of these things are represented here. You know, mm. I think the, the God of the old Testament, uh, you know, that was always preached as being sort of out to get you and you had to like obey and be obedient and by all the laws and live by all of these things that, that they definitely had a big, like old Testament wet dream. Uh, the <laughs> Christophians, they loved all the animal sacrifice and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but I'm like, I don't think that's really kind of what, the divine is about, you know, I mean, the, the divine is about justice for the poor and the marginalized and the outcast and the people on the fringes. And, um, yeah, I looked around my white middle class church and I, I couldn't find those people, you know, 
I think they were there. I, I know that they're ne- there now. <laughs> I know that a lot of them were sitting closeted in their in their seats, and a lot of them were sitting quietly. And you know, a lot of the women, because they didn't have to speak, because they weren't allowed to speak, you know, harbored their doubts and harbored their their deeply you know, held beliefs, you know, silently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sort of a disruptor. I'm a, I'm a songwriter. I kind of set about to. Uh, my, my first kind of <laughs> attempt to uh, reform the Christophian faith was to start um, writing and recording original music, uh, which you know got me more than you know almost stoned on more than one occasion. Um, <laughs> Gosh, I, I got known as the guy who divorced his parents because when I got married the first time, I changed my name from my birth name, um, and and that didn't go down well with the family, and there was just it was just rumors everywhere. Uh, so. Yeah, I was just simply because I wanted to write and find an original voice for myself and for my community. Uh, I got a lot of shit out of that. Um, so, yeah, I eventually uh, left that community in my early 30s when I moved to America. And I think partly uh, my ex would say, you know, one of her strategies for moving to, me, to America was just to get me out of this endless cycle of just giving myself over and over and over to the church. Like I just was a, an uber mm-hmm. volunteer because no one got paid in the Christophian faith. So I just spent every waking hour trying to build uh, something for that community and just dealing with a heartbreak over and over, over again. And uh, so I eventually kind of got out and wandered into the doors of a church in Manhattan, uh, which I didn't know anything about, you know, evangelicism or any of that kind of stuff and got asked to be on staff and start a brand new church. And in the middle of of all that I was deconstructing and told my boss and he was like, yep, me too. Like I don't believe half the stuff. Um, so we, (laughs) so we created the the very first open affirming evangelical church in, in, uh, New York that was super culturally diverse and, um, yeah, but then I eventually got kicked out of that too. So, uh, (laughs) so it's just been, it's been a long journey for me of, of just trying to find my own belonging and, and kind of that, I, I think for most of my life, I have scrabbled after affirmation and scrabbled after a sense of who am I and, and where do I fit and where is my tribe and where are my people. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, you know, being invited into heathen and being invited to in these stories has been such an honor because I think I find that thread in most of the stories we hear. You know, I find in all of us, like the universal thing is about how we want to be seen and loved and known, you know, um, and we've just used in faith communities and in religion, we've, we've used external things to suppress the internal truths and we've, we've kind of sold ourselves out for a cheap belonging rather than kind of really kind of teaching people to, to love themselves, to know themselves and to be fully who they are. Hmm. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Cause even, I mean, I've, I've been on my own journey, but even like hearing those words, there's a part of me that's still like, well, I'm sinful, so mm-hmm. I can't love myself <laughs> or yep. I want things that are sinful and therefore I, sh- you know, and it's very much like the self-flagellation that's just so, indoctrinated into us that even like hearing love yourself just sounds like sacrilegious. So <laughs> I love that. Um, Flamey, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question because um, you often describe your deconstruction journey as one of liberation, which I think is interesting because that's kind of a word that people use when they talk about 
you know, quote unquote, getting saved, they'll say like, oh, I've been liberated from my sin now. So I'm curious, do you use that word intentionally? And either way, um, what do you feel like you were liberated from by going through deconstruction and getting out of that more fundamentalist faith? Freedom. Yes. Liberation. (laughs) Um, I do use that word intentionally. And um, yeah, actually, I I use it intentionally, but maybe not in the way that um, I think it's hitting with you, which is interesting to me to think about for probably the first time. Again, I don't have a whole lot going on internally. I need to talk about things to understand them. So it's really fun uh, to to hear things bounce off of other people for me a lot. But um, the whole... uh, how that contrasts with liberation in in the the eyes of evangelicalism um i don't know that i've ever thought about it that directly but um yes for me the the liberation all all comes down to um the the oppression that i didn't know i was in for so long um because i think you know one of my favorite movies is the truman show and i just love that that quote that i'll I'll butcher right now but um the what the one where um uh ed harris says well we're presented we accept the reality with which we're presented when he's explaining why truman never questions Mm -hmm. the the weirdness of of his scenario um and i think that was i I just related to that. that for me that was a a movie was a huge like <laughs> thing something clicked when i watched it i was like oh my gosh am i truman am i on tv right now are people are people watching me are people watching um, you yeah <laughs> um but but it it was that kind of what is my what is this world that i live in that i that this is what i've been presented with and i don't know anything else and it was just it was a really slow, again, process of encountering what life was like for other people. And it just started by going to um, Gary Allen. We've already talked about our, our East Tennessee ties uh, that we share. Mm, yes. you know, I, went to, I went to King uh, College, now University. And um, it, despite the fact that it's a small Presbyterian you know, school, I um, still was able to encounter a ton of people who had different backgrounds than I did. Um, because up to that point, I mean, my world was our little Plymouth Brethren circle. And like my mom was a teacher at our Christian school. Like it just, I didn't, there was nothing divergent about my experience at all. Um, and so even just meeting people from different denominations <laughs> in college was kind of eye-opening for me. Um, and one of my, one of my best friends uh, from college is who's, who's still a best friend who's actually been on our show. Um, uh, she was a new Christian when she came to, to King and had been, she 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 believed in evolution still when she showed up at, at King College and to me that was oh, just like dear. this <gasps> yes. that's scandalous oh, yeah I was like this girl's not fully saved yet y'all we yes. gotta get to work we gotta do some work pour some water on her head yeah. or something right and um so that kind of stuff you know just uh, it, it it being exposed to anything other is what finally made me realize that I I was actually under some some deep dark oppression and um and of course coming to terms with my own identity was the the biggest part of that i i have said a lot on our show that i don't know that if i uh, if i had been born um heterosexual cishet like i i don't know that i ever would have challenged anything uh because 
other than the fact that I'm queer, I like everything was working really well for me. Mm -hmm. And I fit in great in, in the world that I was born into. And I knew how to, how to, I knew how to play that world. Like I knew how to be a character in that game and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and to win it. You know, I was the golden boy in our church. I was the, I was, I was always a good student. And, and then I was also had this, like, you know, the, the, the spiritual, whatever anointing that, that, um, that folks, especially adults always seemed to see in me. And like, <laughs> I remember one time our principal, like I gave a little, uh, a, a devotional at, at, at chapel. I went to a Christian school. We had chapels and I gave a devotional and the principal went up to my mom afterward and said, that, that Matthew of yours, he's got wisdom beyond his years. And my mom told me he said that. And I just like, you know, puffed up and I was like, yes, this is, I am, I'm destined for great things in the church. And, um, and you had a penis. That and was I had a penis. So, <laughs> what, and I'm white. Like, what, like everything's going my way. And, um, <laughs> until, you know, I, 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 I watched Saved by the Bell and Zach Morris came on the screen and AC Slater in his old tank tops. And I was like, oh, something's wrong. Oh, really? <laughs> so, something's off here, you guys, because I know I'm supposed to be looking at Tiffany Amber Thiessen, but my eyes are yep. drawn to the other side of the screen. Fascinating. Um, yeah. So, uh, it, it it was it was truly my queerness that was the the key to my liberation and mm-hmm. um it was the thing that because it was this this the square peg that didn't fit in the round hole i had to i had to find the place where i did fit and that meant unshackling myself from from a whole system a whole world everything you know that i had ever known um and and realizing and and being able to call it what it was which was was oppression. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was, um, community and, and, and I thought it was love and mm-hmm. it just wasn't, it wasn't those things. It was, um, it was all conditional. All, mm-hmm. all of it was conditional. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I do like the word liberation because when I, on, on the rare occasion <laughs> when I do, uh, read, uh, anything from the Bible anymore. Um, I'm struck by, especially like in the Psalms when, when, when we're talking, when we read about freedom and liberation and oppression, I'm like, all of that stuff now, I just, I just relate all of that to evangelicalism, like Mm -hmm. the oppression that the, 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 the enemies, like all of the talk about my enemies, like I know who my, I know who my enemies are now. I know, I know who was trying to, uh, gaslight and manipulate me. And, um, Mm. so yeah. Mm. They've revealed themselves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because what what you just said kind of comes back to what Ben was talking about is um, there is this subversive thread, not only in Scripture, but in Christianity in general, where there is a prophetic voice. There's a voice of the outsiders. There's a voice of the marginalized and of the oppressed saying, hey, this is the actual real story. Mm-hmm. Um, that God that you guys have created, that God of conformity, that God of dualism, the God that hates uh, seemingly all the same people we hate. Wow, what a coincidence. That God is a false, a false idol. Um, and yet we continue because if you grow up in the center of culture, if if this system is benefiting you, why in the hell would you question it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, why? Yep. Because it's made for you. It, it's not made for the outsider. And yeah. 
once you start asking those tough questions, like, "Hey guys, why why do we all look the same? Why are we mm. why do we all why are we all forced to believe the same? Why are we kicking people out? Um, is this a cult? Is this about conformity, or is this about real authentic community?" And so, Ben, I want to kind of take that and and ask you a question about the notion of of community because. In your deconstruction process, um, you seem to be a little bit different than than some of us who um, left a, a community, and we now find ourselves sort of spiritually homeless or without friends. From from what we know of you, you talk about the fact that you deconstructed and, and actually found a community. You found a community consisting of, you know, a bunch of other people who had been discarded, who had been kicked out. Can you talk about how that community continues to shape you and change you as it relates to being fully human and, and maybe even a part of, you know, your journey right now spiritually? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely feel so similar to Flamey on this front. We've talked about this over and over again that uh, Toka Paterno actually in a book called Belonging, which we read together um, a year and a half ago, I guess, uh, has some incredible things to say about belonging, obviously, because that's the title of the book. Uh, <laughs> but she kind of talks about how often communities and particularly faith, muse and religion force us into a false sense of belonging. Uh, and, and that's that we have to give away parts of ourselves in order to actually to participate. It's conditional, as Flamie said a second ago. Uh, and I think what I found when kind of the wheels fell off my life and and everything just kind of turned to dust uh, a few years ago was that some of those people fell away. Like it's sort of funny that the prodigal son story, which gets told like ad nauseum in Christian <laughs> faith, um, it's fascinating to me that when I when my life hit the skids, a lot of these friends, this community, turned their back on me. Um, and what I found instead, though, was a bunch of people who weren't afraid to look in the darkness and a bunch of people who sort of in this very quiet and, and assured way kind of said, me too, you know. Um, mm -hmm. There were people whose marriages had fallen apart. There were people whose queer identity had got them kicked out of their place. Um, there were people whose... Know, race and ethnicity kind of meant that they uh, never felt the kind of the comforts of privilege that many of us walk among. And and those those people kind of caught me. Like I don't think I I think I was exceptionally lucky. I don't think I knew what I was looking for. I was just flailing around like a, a fish out of water, honestly, looking for kind of sense of belonging. And some of those people were just calm and um, consistent and and just not afraid of the crap and i think that the biggest truth that i'm finding in community and i'm still working on it for sure i don't think i've kind of you know kind of really got a handle on it i think um something you said earlier melanie kind of really resonated with me this idea that like self-love and actually hearing i love you and actually believing it is something that i struggle with so so deeply mm -hmm. um but but I think the people who are just consistently there for you in the crap as well as as, as the, the good times, you know, that's kind of what community is. And, you know, I, I got lucky, honestly, if I just through Karen and kind of and, and dating her and found myself in the center of Sojourn Grace Collective, this weird little unicorn church community that sort of exists out here in San Diego, uh, where many of us here have been on staff at church and many of us have been leaders and deconstructed and been pushed out of our communities. So there's, 
we're just a bunch of church survivors, really. Um, mm-hmm. I know that's not everyone in the community because there's plenty of people who say, I never had that experience, but, but, but there's a lot of us uh, out here. And I think that people who are just kind of like, you know, whatever, just be who you are, like just show up, like the, the, there's no conditions except for like be here, be with us, like don't, don't kind of try and disappear, don't do the vanishing act, don't do that kind of hide and seek thing, just like mm-hmm. show up in all of your glory um, and it's going to be okay. And I think that's that's the biggest thing is just realizing, for me, realizing that the divine isn't scared of our shit and isn't scared of our dirt mm. and our dust and our flaws and our sicknesses and our illnesses, the way I think the church is so obsessed with sin, right? We're just staring at that all the time and we're so convinced ourselves that that God hates that and, and wants to purge us of that. But it's a never-ending cycle of doom because it never gets done because we are sinners. You know, like that's all we're going to do in the eyes of the church. Uh, mm. And I think to be in community with people who just see you as a whole person who's in the process of integrating and healing um, and trying and failing and falling and getting back up again and doing it again and just cheering you on in that process. Like we all just need cheerleaders and that's, you know, where I feel like I found myself at the moment and where I feel like he then sits as being a cheerleader for other people's stories. And it's, it's an honor and privilege to be included. Quite frankly, I just feel like it's a, a really low bar. We just need to make sure people know that they're in, they're okay. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a, a question about that, because for, for those of us, and I'm going to make some huge geographical stereotypes here, but mm. for those of us who live out West, um, Colorado, maybe for Melanie in New Mexico, although that's sort of its own hybrid of strangeness, but in particular, <laughs> California, like these communities are, are, they're there, uh, they're known. Yep. Um, and there are, uh, to use the word again, subversive communities that are popping up that you can join. However, for maybe Flamey and I, who grew up and lived in East Tennessee or parts of the Midwest or some of these flyover states, these types of communities are either non-existent or, or non-existent or they are suppressed. So if I'm somebody listening right now who's like, look, I've deconstructed, I no longer fit because of my sexuality or um, all the things that w- are not accepted in the church, where do I go for community? Because I don't have a unicorn church on my corner. I- I've just got the Southern Baptist Church. What what suggestions can you give for individuals who kind of find themselves still in a suppressive community, but have have already either you know opted out or been forced out of their spiritual community? Oh man, I mean, it's a huge question. Yeah. Um, I, on a, on, a, on a very practical level, you know, there there is progressive church locators online. If you search progressive church locator, um, mm. you will find uh, resources. I think there's a convergence. This organization that has a, has a kind of on their website, they have a tool for that. Um, and, and I think, well, I guess let, let me answer the question this way. Um, I know a lot of people who fall out of this stuff get tempted to start something. Mm-hmm. And I want <laughs> to relieve you of the feeling that you have to do that. Mm-hmm. You have a long way to go. There's a lot of stinking trauma to work through. And you don't have to fix it and save it yourself. Mm-hmm. So... I know it, it can feel lonely for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, for me, I, I kind of felt this 
this incredible loneliness. I mean, I kind of wandered through a bunch of different traditions and, you know, I found myself drawn to sort of Franciscan theology at some point and then realized they were also called heretics by the Catholic church for years. <laughs> yep. like, doesn't matter where I go. I just wind up on the heretics list. Um, <laughs> but, but it, it did feel lonely because I kind of was in this wandering stage and I think you need to know that that's okay. That that spot in between is actually kind of a beautiful and sacred space in the, in the biblical tradition, which if that's what you come from, you know, there are stories over and over again of the wilderness and of the darkness and of the dark night of the soul. Uh, in fact, Barbara Brown Taylor's book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, is an absolute mm. treat. If people it's haven't read beautiful. that, you should read it's that beautiful. book. beautiful. Because it really kind of speaks, it sings a song into places where I really need to hear you aren't alone and this darkness you feel and this like brokenness you feel. This is where the good stuff happens. This is where the divine is still at play. Um, and you are not going to be overwhelmed. So I think there are plenty of resources out there now. I think, you know, when when I think I first started to deconstruct that didn't really exist as a word. I think you said that Gary Allen as well as setting up this thing. It didn't right. exist. But I think, you know, there's the liturgists. The liturgists have tons of online Facebook communities all over the place for, you know, for single folks, for people looking for community. Um, you know, there's podcasts galore out mm. there. There's books to devour. And and there are things that pop up, like even outside of Asheville, North Carolina, where Flamey is from, uh, there's the Wild Goose Festival that happens every single year out there in the woods. Uh, and that's a bunch of, I like to say it's sort of the, the Christian Burning Man, <laughs> a, a, a bunch of you know, Christian hippies sort of out in the woods, you know, dealing into justice and activism and, and, and music and art. Uh, it's a great space. So there are places and I think being able to pursue them and, and just kind of start to plug in and, and allowing yourself time to figure that out. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing I, I guess I will say is, and you said Gary Allen, you're at an um, Episcopal church. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people there is this fear, right, that we want to step away. We have some questions and some part of it is deconstructed. And yet we've been told over and over again that them, right, the other, I mean, for me in the Christophian movement, the Catholics were the whore of Babylon. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> that was what we would describe people in the book of Revelation. Like the Catholics were the worst. And so for me being attracted to Franciscan theology was like, oh my God, I really am going to hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I didn't even really believe in hell, but I think that was kind of funny. But I think that we're sort of we're always afraid of the thing that, we're, that doesn't feel familiar. And I think there is so much to learn on that side. Like it may not feel right because I think a lot of, you know, more progressive mainline traditions feel uh, more conservative in, in hymns and kind of this liturgy and it feels more stuffy compared to like, you know, your funny evangelical band with the guitars and it's loud, you know, music <laughs> yeah. on Sunday mornings. Um, but there's some beauty to be found there too. And mm -hmm. I think as you kind of wander through all those places, you integrate parts of yourself and you find the things that you like and and you can you know, choose bits and pieces and, and it doesn't, you don't have to find the whole answer in one place. Um, there's, there's lots of belonging to be had. And I think what we've learned in the pandemic year is there's a lot of belonging to be had online as well. And, and community, whilst I do absolutely love and miss, you know, humans in the, in person, you know, and the feeling of the bodies in a room, uh, we've found a lot of people through Heathen Happy Hour and through mm -hmm. Surgeon Grace Collective over the last year who were just starving and thirsty for a drop of community. And we've actually been able to build you know, relationships with those folks and have really meaningful connections with people that have never really seen their faces yet. You know, and sometimes mm -hmm. they'll pop up, you know, we'll do it on communion on a Sunday morning. Um, one of our friends from Minneapolis popped on and we got to see her face move for the first time with her, like her, her 
a voice coming out of her mouth and it was so incredible because we're like wow we've known this human for almost 12 months Mm -hmm. so i think there's a variety of ways to do it and there's you know um i think just giving yourself the grace as as you're kind of undergoing that um period of you know that liminal space that in-betweenness i think it's 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 gonna be okay Mm. it's gonna be okay yeah well i i think that brings up an interesting point because one of the things i've started realizing recently is that i don't understand community outside of forced conformity Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like Gary Allen kind of mentioned that, like, I don't, I don't know how, like, I don't know how to define community without that forced conformity aspect of like, you know, you're, you're accepted here because you vote like we do, or because you, um, believe all the same things we believe, or you only affirm certain types of sexual relationships and everything else is that you're accepted because of that. And as soon as I am around someone who just says, like, like you said, like, come as you are, and I'm not going to try to change you. I'm like, (laughs) gaslighting does not (laughs) compute. (laughs) I don't know what to do now. Um, and, And then, you know, so then you step out of line and you get labeled an apostate or a heathen or a heretic or sinner or whatever the you know, or they tell you, like you said, you're destined for hell now. Um, and, and so I think I, one of the things I really appreciate about what you guys are doing with heathen is you're kind of, you're owning those labels and saying like, sure, yeah, I'm a heathen. I'm an apostate. I don't care, you know? (laughs) And, and then you're, you're telling other people, like, you don't even have to believe that we accept you as you are. You can Mm. still come. Um, so how has like being part of that heathen podcast, um, and meeting all these people, um, changed you in terms of how you understand community, but then also, um, how has it, how has it helped you to be in community better, if that makes sense? Um, for either are, of you, <laughs> you yeah you've already uh you've already, you've had you've met karen and anisa right you've had your yes. conversation with them mm-hmm. okay so you've met the better half of, <laughs> of, of, of this team and you, you you know that karen in particular is just this master like space holder space maker um generous human being who can stand in places where uh, like where even she might be being attacked um, and just still hold space for that person. And I am on the mm-hmm. other end of that spectrum and I am <laughs> the trigger happy block button. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you just started preaching to me on the heathen account. Nope. No more access for you kind of thing. And, and, and so I like being in relationship with these four people and then our extended community, our little, our little church here, like, I am slowly, slowly learning how to do that better because I'm like you. I don't understand. I I, I don't understand community outside of the forced conformity because, you know, I was on one side of it for for so long. And Mm -hmm. now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm, I'm, I, I just have this, oh, like bodily, very physical reaction that, um, that just takes over anytime, uh, I encounter someone who, who who tells me that who tells me or tells 
anybody I love, you know, that, that they're, that who they are, how they're being or what they're saying is, you know, somehow not accepted, somehow going to get them in some kind of trouble. And I just like, mm. I, I'm, I just feel like I'm on the flip side of it now. And I just like want, want all of those people out, out of my community. Right. Yep. And, um, and it is hard freaking work mm. and some are better <laughs> suited, I think than others. A personality comes into it, obviously. Um, but it is, um, I, I, I walk a fine line with it, uh, because I, um, especially for queer folks, um, I, I, I'm, I'm very like careful to, to make sure that I never tell a, a queer person that they need to make space for someone who doesn't accept mm. and, and embrace their full identity because, right. um, first of all, most of us, most of us did that for, you know, the first half of our lives. Uh, and, um, and so you're good. You've done that work already. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you, you get a pass for a little bit. Um, and you need your time and your space to, to heal and, and to be, to, to even know who you are fully, you need to sometimes be removed from, from places where you're being told that all these different aspects of your identity are, are unwelcome or unworthy. Mm. Um, and, and at the same time, I've, I've been challenged by other people in our church, queer folks in our church who, um, I've, I've told this story. We've written a song about it actually, mm. uh, a bunch of times on our show, but, um, about an, a night in a queer, um, small group through our church, uh, where we, we, we sat around, uh, set in a circle and, and went around the room answering a question that was, I think the question was, how do you, how did you, how did you reconcile or how do you reconcile your faith and your sexuality? And I, um, being the, just being the loud and obnoxious, arrogant person I am, like it was the first to answer and threw up my hand. And I said, I don't have to, I don't have to reconcile my <laughs> spirituality and my sexuality because I left my faith and I don't, I don't take the word Christian anymore. And that's how I did it. There's no reconciliation needed. <laughs> ha. Um, you know, answered that one easily. And then I, I kind of just like sh- shrunk down into my seat as the rest of the folks took their, thoughtful, well-calibrated responses uh, uh, around the room. And they all had some version of, listen, it's really, really hard. But the reason I I stick around and I stay in these spiritual spaces, in my church, and in, in, in whatever, whatever context that they're not fully evacuating, like I do that because if I do evacuate, then it leaves this void. It leaves this vacuum mm. that, that, I, I know who's going to fill that vacuum. Like I know the predominant um, way of thinking that, that, that uh, uh, controls the group think of, of the church that I'm right. involved in. And if I leave, then, then I'm, there's no other voice left for any other queer kid who may be closeted, who may not even understand their sexuality yet. Like they're going to grow up and, and have the same oppression that I endured. And at the very least, if I can, if I can be uh, that voice, be that space maker, be that safe person in that community, then I feel like I'm doing some good there. And man, that humbled me. And um, I'm I'm just I'm still always being humbled because if if I had my way, <laughs> if I had my gut my gut reaction way, uh, you know, I, it, I would I would just evacuate entirely and get the hell out and 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 burn evangelicalism down and just start fresh <laughs> and. Um, 
I mean, you can do that too if you oh, want. Oh, thank to. you, thank <laughs> you, Gary. <laughs> I, sometimes, sometimes, some days, you know, we just like I'll playing with matches you. a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think what you're speaking to is really beautiful because um, it, it provides diversity within within the group and. Mm. We we need your voice. We and and I mean I guess maybe we need their voice too. Um, you know, I was thinking about yeah. that this morning in terms of what might it look like for the Christian community to hold space with the most ardent evangelical on the same table or in the same pew have Flamey Grant sitting mm, there. And yeah. maybe, just maybe, that is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. And that, you know, I, I, I kind of found myself in this uh, situation in church uh, several years ago was I began to realize like, wow, they they are actually allowing space for me to be here, this progressive, affirming person. And and as much as I really want to judge the the guy sitting next to me, ah, I, well, I guess I have to leave space for him too. And mm-hmm. and it's humbling, you know, because maybe we all need each other um, to to become who we are really supposed to be. And it just it feels like that it's easy for for sort of those of us who have been, I would say, you know, enlightened um, to almost have a, our own version of fundamentalism. And that's probably not good either, you know. So it's it's hard, though. It's hard because you judge the the group you left the 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 worst right because you're like well i figured it out why can't you idiots figure it out you know this is evil and i don't know that's that's what i struggle with i think there's some caveats to that statement i I agree with you i I think to me i mean I, i there's part of me that is always trying to look for space for the conservatives i grew up around um and i think i'm at that stage now of my life um midlife where I'm asking a bunch of different questions and I am trying to find my way back to some relationship with family in, in some really practical ways and try and find some forgiveness, you know, and some healing there. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like a lot of my hard heartedness, it's hurting myself, honestly, like just the anger was directed inwards at myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and if I can't figure out how to, to forgive, um, you know, I feel it's backwards. A lot of people are like, Oh, you've known to forgive you know, yourself and so I can learn to forgive others. I feel like I need to learn to forgive others so I can forgive myself, you know, is kind of the way I'm looking at the moment. Mm. But we had a really dear friend of ours, Colby Martin, um, who with his partner, Kate, pastors our little unicorn church. He has so much space for the conversation with evangelicals. Mm. And so he uh, has recently been on a couple of like YouTubes where he will sit down with conservative pastors and have this conversation. And the other day uh, we woke up to uh, him sharing this little um, this moment on Instagram, where a, another progressive pastor had shared a clip from his latest like two hour conversation, which I don't have time to sit there and, and listen to things for two hours. I find it after <laughs> after about twenty minutes, my my head explodes like the aliens in in Mars Attacks, and I, and I just all I see is red, and I want to kill and burn things. Um, but this, you know, thankfully this little progressive pastor like just chopped out just you know, a two minute little clip of it in which this conservative pastor says to Colby's face, there are people that God doesn't love. Mm. And I'm like, 
you know what? You've crossed a fucking line for me. Mm. Right, exactly. Because, because you can be conservative all you like. You can salute the flag. You can, you know, you can protect your guns and all the shit that I really don't really kind of agree with or understand, honestly. Right. And I can, and I can have some humility around the stuff, but I just not. I didn't, wasn't raised in this culture on this continent. Like, I do not understand the Second Amendment thing at all. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> and by the way, also raised in a socialist country. So, you know, <laughs> seeing the benefits so yay of- healthcare. Of, Exactly. Yay healthcare. Yay education. I wouldn't be here talking to you guys if it wasn't for that stuff. And, you know, I just, I cannot stand with people who tell me or other people that they're not loved or a worse version that God doesn't love them. Like that to mm. me is such a heresy where mm. <laughs> you're the holy heretics. Like that is an absolute heresy. Like mm. if you just take it on face value, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he sent his only God and son that he might believe him to be saved. Like some, if you just be, I don't know, I've been so long away from some of these ideas. And I'm just like, hang on, did that, I, I thought God still loved those people, but like, if they choose not to be saved, if they chose a different way, then, then God doesn't have some sort of choice, but God is kind of broken hearted about the fact that like some of these people don't choose the way. And I'm like, maybe it wasn't that maybe explicitly underneath all that I was kind of right that these people were mm. saying that God hates people. Mm. And I'm just kind of like, I, I can't live with that. Mm. I, 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 if we have to have some dialogue, if we create some space, we have to agree on a few ground rules. Yeah. And one of them is every single fucking person on this planet was created in the image of the divine and in the image mm. of a loving God. And, and if we don't start from the inherent you know, worth of if every single person and every single creature, then, then we're just kind of we're just going to have a slippery slope conversation where we're not going to mm. end up agreeing on, on anything. You know, yeah. so hmm. that's that's where yeah. I think I draw a bit of a line. Hmm. No, I, I love that. And I, and I think that forced conform, that forced unity is conformity. It's like, wait, yep. I don't have to be in a relationship with a predator. Yes. You know, I, I don't have to be in community with someone who does not um, value my existence. And in fact, is 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 working very diligently, both both personally and publicly to dehumanize me at every mm. level of the yep. game. Like, I, no, I, I thank you. No, I, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And and I think that's that weird tension. So, all right, we've, we've actually made it this far in the conversation. <laughs> and we haven't talked about sex or drag queens. Like, what is our problem? What, what's, what's going on here? So, so let's do that really quickly. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about just the whole notion of sexuality and in particular how if you grew up um, in the – evangelical church and even more fundamentalist expressions that it sounds like both Ben and Flamey, you did, we were hammered with the belief of original sin, that you were born evil, that your desires were evil. We were told to suppress all of our sexuality and our feelings and don't trust your your heart, don't trust your gut, and basically just kind of white knuckle your way through <laughs> um, this whole enfleshed, embodied experience. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, that kind of reminded me of, um, I'm a big Walt Whit Whitman fan, and mm -hmm. at one point in his writings, you know, he just stands there and says, I celebrate myself. Yes. I mean, what an audacious, <laughs> delicious, delicious claim, right? So if you've been indoctrinated in a worldview that says, you know, to disembody and hate yourself and hate your sexuality and suppress everything, and then you come out of that in beautiful liberation, I mean, oh 
tell us about what that feels like to live into everything that you were made to be enfleshed, embodied, sexually, all of that, because so many of us are, are still not there. We, we've not tasted that freedom. Mm. Oh, I want that for y'all. <laughs> I do. I do. Because here's the thing, like the, the more you, you do it and the more you do stand proudly and say, I celebrate myself, um, the, the further away you get from the shame that, uh, that, it, it, it lives in us, right? Mm-hmm. That that is just like implanted in us <laughs> at birth, mm-hmm. um, and and um, to the point where, when I do encounter it uh, in its in its most like virulent form, um, which you know usually happens online nowadays. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, when when I when someone I, I was just doing a, a TikTok live last night where. Uh, it was it was just it was lovely. I was just putting on my makeup and talking with like eight people, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened in the algorithm, but my viewer count shot up to like two hundred people, and it was all like just Trump twenty twenty four. It was it was people coming in and be like, "What is this man doing? You're, do you know you're a man? What's your relationship with your uh, father like?" Oh my! <laughs> like, it was unbelievable, and and and. I it to so to the point where when I encountered all that I'm just like I for, I forget I just truly genuinely mm-hmm. forget now what it's like to be so encased in layers of shame that mm-hmm. that all, that the best you can do is project it onto someone else and mm-hmm. and and call out the the what you consider aberrant in other people um and and it it can be it can be shocking like i i mean i'm fine like i that was it it was not i'm not affected by that but the way it did affect me is just like like the recall the oh yeah Mm -hmm. like i forget that that shame Mm -hmm. gets that heavy and so the more you practice embodied living the more you um work with your own intuition and work with your own body and learn to to trust yourself um and, and to um <laughs> to my, the 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 verse that I that, that you know plagued me for forever was the heart is deceitful above all things. It was my mm. mom. I feel like it was my mom's favorite. She oh, said it yeah. all the time to me. Mm. Anytime I I I did I had anything that she considered questionable, and 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 my answer was, well, I want to, or it sounds fun, or what. She's like, well, the heart is deceitful mm-hmm. above all things. Um, mm. <laughs> and what is the what is the, 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 that's a mistranslation, right? It's actually uh, oh oh the mistranslation is because uh, the the version I had growing up it was who can uh, who can understand it or ways or who, yeah. who can know evil, it who can know it yeah. yeah and that's a mistranslation I believe because it's actually or, or a better a better way of saying it was. Um, Oh, I can't remember. Well, I fucked that one up, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the, the point being, um, the, the more that you can practice that embodied living, the, the more, the, like the less sense all of that shame ends up making. And, and, mm. and, and truly the less weight you carry um, because, because you just, uh, like, like I said, when you encounter it, you, it's, it's unfathomable almost. And it, and it, it genuinely does now at this point in my life create more um, 
empathy in me and more 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 uh, or uh, sympathy <laughs> for people mm. uh, who are who are carrying that weight still um mm. than it does like anger at them because it used to make me mad you know i used to have really strong reactions and be like no like i am a whole person and right. you have to accept me and like i'm and and now i'm just like i don't know i just have more of a a, a strong sure sense of self and i don't need i don't need a bunch of evangelicals to accept me mm. but man, it would be nice for them if they could experience um, some of the liberation. There we are, liberation um, mm-hmm. that I've, I've felt. I'm so, I feel like I'm supposed to be talking about sex and drag right now, and I'm, we're not there yet, Have, are we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like we are. I mean, I think for me, years ago, when we kind of doing our work in, in New York in the church and kind of this, this completely bold statement of just like, you are accepted, you just belong as you are, and, and you're – uh, it's not more than being like invited or welcomed, you know, it, it's, it's got to go beyond that language. Like every single Sunday we say at Sojourn Grace, like all of you mm. is celebrated here. It's not welcomed. It, it mm. does need to, it does need to shift. That language needs to go, you know, into other places. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm heterosexual cis white guy and the work I saw my queer friends doing I was like, it is the holiest of work mm. because it is mm. what we wow. all need to do because all of us need to come out and be ourselves. You know, and mm. I think, you know, the kind of the rage that Flaming encounters online, the rage you know, many of us encounter online is simply because I think I remember partly some of this kind of feelings of jealousy of why does that person get to be that way? You know, mm. that the forced conformity that we have just swallowed down and pushed down and internalized to me is this kind of sense of just like, I can't be myself. If I'm myself, I will get rejected. Like that shame mm. is so deep for so many of us yeah. that to actually live like naked and unashamed to just be ourselves is hard work. And I think for me, like it's hilarious because the, the biblical story over and over again describes come out from among you and be my people. Like there's, there's, there's this cry <laughs> all of the time to like come out from under place of, of, of oppression and to, um, and to live in, in the promised land, like so much of that story to me has this like overall metaphorical thing of yeah. just like live in a garden, not mm. in, in a prison, like just, just mm. come out from those, those places where you feel locked down. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I mean, I think the other part of that is we're having a huge shift over the, over the last, you know, 10 years around just gender expression, full stop. Yeah. That, that I don't think was not a part of my conversation, my teenage years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And that were you allowed to exist on uh, a spectrum, you know, uh, in the belonging book that I talked about earlier that we read, there was a particular chapter that was super like powerful for me because it was talking about sort of old classical notions from the Greek world around eros and logos and that these two ideas are gendered. So logos has this kind of male energy and it's like rational and straight lined and, 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 you know, has this just this energy that's going forward in this sort of more aggressive kind of way. And then there's Eros, which is kind of more the feminine and curious and circular. And, um, and I, I was reading this, this chapter being like, this is how my internal word works. My my world Mm. is Eros, like Mm. internally, like identify more with what I think of these classical traits of feminism, um, that we've kind of put onto the world. And so I think understanding that, that we are legion, like in ourselves, there is so much diversity of things that we like and things that we don't like and things we're afraid of and things that we kind of little kinks that we have, you know, um, and it's, you're allowed to be that person. Mm. And, and I think that's where I think, you know, queer folks kind of having voices in spaces of faith 
uh, and being loud and, and, and being exactly who they are and being colorful or being quiet, you know, the, the little quiet gays like a Hannah Gadsby, <laughs> you know. Um, Where do the quiet gays go? <laughs> <laughs> but just being who you are entirely is just, I don't know. It's, it, to me, on the other side of it, like when I see people who are fully who they are, I'm just like, you go. Like I just mm, feel, yeah. I feel better about being in the world when I watch someone on a show. Yeah. Like, another, another Walt Whitman quote that, you know, do, do I contradict myself? Fine. I contain multitudes, you know, like, like <laughs> just be <laughs> yeah. all of it, embody mm. all of it. And I think for, for me, like drag is, is kind of that, that lighthouse. It's that beacon. It's this exaggerated, outlandish, absurd <laughs> version of whatever drag you're doing. You know, I, I think most people, when they think drag, it's like this extreme femininity. And, um, and 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 that's you know that's what i'm doing and but but it is it's a it's um because it's so hard so freaking hard we've made it so difficult for people to even just begin the thought process of exiting a, a toxic culture a, a toxic mm. religion um because of the shame around it because of the the fear of loss all the all the things that you're you stand to lose um which you know for someone like me, it was, it was literally everything. It was family. It was my place in, in, in my community. It was my path to education. It was all of, all of the, my, my future. It was just everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really difficult to even start thinking about how I could disentangle myself and find some, find some breathing room. So for me, drag is like, like we need drag because we need extreme bright beacons that are are calling out to people in the in the furthest reaches who don't have um don't the options haven't been presented to them um hmm. so that's that's if i can do that for anybody with a giant wig and you know lipstick that you know takes up half my face like <laughs> i'm 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 thrilled that that is a a a, a way that some queer kid who at least has some internet access, um, but maybe nothing else in their in their immediate world around them uh, that feels like home or feels like something they would recognize. They can see that and be like, "Okay, like something's out there. There is something mm -hmm. beyond um, my experience here." Because I just, you know, I didn't have that. We were like TV was off limits. I wasn't allowed to listen to music that wasn't at the at the <laughs> carpenter shop, Christian bookstore down the road. Like, so. Um, I mean, thank God Amy Grant did become a pop star because <laughs> if, she, <laughs> if, she, if, she, if if that was that was my probably my initial um, like realization that there is a world beyond uh, mm. what I the bubble that I had been kept in. So I just want to say that I think you're helping more than just the queer population because mm -hmm. as a cishet white woman. Um, who was raised in evangelicalism in a, in a culture that not only didn't celebrate people, they suppressed individual characteristics and um, only accepted certain ones. I am still not at a place where I can say I celebrate every part of who I am. And so when you see anyone who can mm -hmm. do that, it makes your heart sing in in a in a moment of hope of like maybe i can get there maybe i mm. can not just like tolerate who i am but i can celebrate mm. who i am and mm. that, that i mean that gives me incredible hope because i like i said i don't 
know yet how to comprehend community without forced conformity. And I don't think I know how to comprehend myself in that light of just full acceptance. So I, I think what you guys are doing both like all four of you on the show, but then flamey you in your drag on TikTok, like all of it. I think it is like, like you said, to use your word liberating for a lot of people in ways that we didn't even know we needed to be liberated. So mm. thank you for that. Yep. And mm. I, I mean, I feel like we could keep talking about this forever, <laughs> but since I mentioned hope, I would like to ask both of you from your vantage point, from your experience, from, from leaving and getting out and finding real community and acceptance and, and then being celebrated when, when both of you look at the future of faith, what, if anything, gives you hope? Hmm. I think my mind is, is a little back. Uh, I go back before I go forwards with this on what you just said. I remember several years ago sitting in my apartment uh, when I was first married and the Olympics was on. And I'm a musician, so I'm not classically sporty, but actually I enjoy um, I enjoy sports and, you know, I uh, enjoy that kind of stuff. But this is the first time I think I had sat in front of sports and lost my mind because there was a, in my memory, a Russian wrestler, just this huge burly dude. Oh, not a wrestler, sorry. He was a weightlifter, this huge burly dude, you know, who was, who was stepping up to, to take on an extraordinary amount of weight. Um, and as they were kind of setting up, the commentators are talking is that usual like Olympics kind of thing where it's slightly NPR and they're being very, very like, you know, clipped about <laughs> it. And it's like, well, this is what's his face. And, you know, he has this huge story. And then they told this story about how he had lost his wife like a year early in a tragic accident and had to push through his training to kind of get to this place. So they set this up beautifully. And obviously it, it appealed to my Enneagram faunus, <laughs> but he lifts the bar, wins the gold medal, and then his coach, who's Exactly, it looks like his dad, like the same burly dude, it comes bounding up onto stage, and these two men pile on top of each other and just mm. weep. <laughs> I'm gonna lose this little story, but like, and for me, some part of it was like, here is somebody doing something that they absolutely love in spite of all of the things that life has thrown at them, and they've stuck to this thing, and and it's just like the victory in itself to kind of to push through that kind of grief and to show up and to keep going and to kind of watch that the love obviously between these two people was extraordinary. Um, and I think that's, that's my hope. My hope is that we kind of get to a world where when we see someone like authentically walk around the world, we go, yeah, mm. you know, and mm. we cheer that person on and we absolutely like, you know, kind of you go girl, like whatever it is, like just telling people that I see, I see you. Like it's that, that classic kind of you know, African phrase when, when people kind of look at each other and say, I see mm. you, that we can actually like really tell authenticity um, for, for what it is and, and to kind of to mm. celebrate that and to kind of say, you're good as you are in this moment doing this thing. Like that's mm. amazing. Like uh, one of my, my dear friends, Nikki Lerner, who's an African-American worship leader in Baltimore, um, one of the things she introduced me culturally to was this idea that you throw a shoe at someone who's doing really well. <laughs> so if someone's burning it down on stage, you take off your shoe and you throw it at them. And it's just, it is this kind of complete uh, 
is this gesture of honor of like you're killing it like you're just burning it down and i just i kind of want that on a sunday morning i just want people to be throwing shoes at the stage when someone's <laughs> preaching the truth and someone's getting up there and telling you that you're a love child of god um so i just that's that's kind of what i want is just being able to for everyone to mm. be authentic and for it to be mm -hmm. celebrated mm. yeah i and and, and celebrating all all parts of it, including, I, I think everything you just said, Ben, like totally applies to, to your confession just now, Melanie. Like I was, uh, uh, Gary Allen, you made me cry before we even started recording. <laughs> Melanie, I was crying over here in, in the corner quietly while you were talking about how, how like the, the, the hardship of even embracing the full self even now. And like, like I like celebrate that, like that gives me hope that, that you're out here on a microphone, putting that into the world and making mm -hmm. that space for other people who are going through that same exact struggle. Mm -hmm. So like shoo at you <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I, um, I mean, th there is, I think there is a lot that gives me hope. I mean, our, our, our little community here of Sojourn Grace gives me hope. I'm not, uh, I, I have, you know, done like the formal renun renunciation or whatever mm -hmm. of, uh, the term Christian. I just, it's just not a thing I can carry around a label I can uh, have right now. Um, but I'm surrounded by people who are like doing that work. And um, uh, you've been mentioned Colby who just goes online and talks to evangelicals with love and acceptance <laughs> and just bright eyes. And I, I, I watch that and I'm in the comment section going, you assholes <laughs> lay off of him. You don't, you don't even know him. You don't know the work he's doing. Um, and uh, so I'm, I, I, I I think there's there is there's a lot of a lot of reason for hope uh, because there are people who are somehow equipped in game to do that work and and I like those are the people I want to throw mm -hmm. shoes at and and um and then also just because of um the experiences we've had at, at Heathen uh talking with our guests one of the things we we always try to close with is what is what's working for you now spiritually what does your spiritual practice mm. look like what are the things that that you do and we've gotten some you know outrageous answers about aliens <laughs> and we've gotten some um <laughs> awesome awesome practical stuff about not the <laughs> test if you ever hear this i love you bro. <laughs> um uh but uh, uh we've gotten some really like just like practical stuff too like just yoga and meditation mm -hmm. and 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 that kind of work and and i just i for, w what i've done in the process of of, of recording heathen is just take those things from from people when they say this is what works for me and i i usually give it a try like mm -hmm. and and a lot of times it ends up sticking and becomes part of my own practice mm -hmm. and um and i think you know we can we we have the ability to build the the spirituality and the, and the practices that work for us and and why wouldn't mm -hmm. we why mm -hmm. why not um so i think one of the things that flamey talks about often and i i have love this is saying part of heathen is us in the moment as people saying this is what i believe in or this is what i stand for and us saying we believe that mm. with you yeah you know mm. and, and it might be divergent from kind of where we're at or kind of you know not part of our tradition and yet it's just exciting hearing like, i just love hearing people say mm. that stuff yeah. like like i was reminded the other day um i krista berg was an artist I absolutely loved uh, growing up lady in red was the, the song that i discovered first and then there's a whole album sparked the flame that i just i still know by heart because i listened to it on my run the other day and i'm like i know every single part of this record back to front but there's a, a song i'd forgotten about on the record called the spaceman came traveling and it's a christmas song 
but from kind of the vantage point of this <laughs> space person traveling over time uh, and sort of arriving at the moment of Jesus' birth and sort of being a witness to that. So it was like the star, like you know, but embodying that star mm. as an as an alien traveling through the world. And because of that conversation with Tess, I was like, "That's Why awesome!" Not? And it's so cool. And I love the tune so much. I'm like, I probably should just cover that and put that out this year as a Christmas song. Do it. Feel like that's <laughs> such a healing thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I I just think some part getting excited with other people, getting excited and meeting them there in that mm. in that moment. Um, and I think that's that's really beautiful. I think that's where we could find some common ground like I, I think there's ways that we can get excited about immigration in this country there's ways that we can get excited about things that pull us apart if we just stop and try and listen and then kind of find some stuff and then all agree that 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 it's the common commonality of our humanity that kind of com- that really mm-hmm. unites us not necessarily kind of some of the ideological things that we we stick to that we're still allowed to you know believe in the privacy of our bedrooms. Right, right. <laughs> so. Well, I just want to celebrate the fact that you both are, you, you both have a, a prophetic voice and a prophetic posture. And and I know that word is really loaded, but the way I'm using it now is um, Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar and he said the prophet um, nurtures, nourishes, and evokes a, a different consciousness, an alternative to the mm. dominant culture or to the dominant way of being. And I mean, what, what if drag is the modern prophet? What if, what if drag is mm-hmm. saying, guys, there's a whole other way of seeing the world, of seeing yourself and, and oh God, of seeing spirituality. And it might look something mm-hmm. like this. And, and it, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's uh, an element of invitation um, of hope that you're, you have been inviting people into an alternative way of seeing themselves in the world. And, and I think that is to, to be celebrated at, at, at every step of the game. So, so thank you for, being a different vision for, for having a different voice for inviting so many of us into a different narrative that we can live into. And we could probably talk for the rest of the day. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure we could, but, but we, we always want to end, we always end our podcast with just some fun, silly personal questions. So if you guys are still up for it, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll end with some rapid fire questions and uh, we'll kind of go from nice. there. Oh boy. Lightning, lightning okay. round. All right. Yes. All right. So <laughs> lightning round question. First one, because you live in San Diego and because everybody's cool in California and I'm sure there's celebrities on every corner <laughs> describe like the coolest celebrity encounter you've ever had <laughs> oh I think we both have some good stories for this um this one's not cool but it is it's fun so uh, I am um, I work for a theater here in town and we had we did a, a couple years ago we did a show that was written by Steve Martin and Edie Brickell oh, wow. and um I, uh, you know, theater cultures, the anti-corporate culture, right? Like I don't, you don't have to dress up to go into work and I'm probably, I, I am not probably, I'm definitely a little more casual than some of my compadres at work. And so I have, um, some slippers that I keep under my desk, like bedroom slippers, fuzzy <laughs> slippers, because they're just more comfortable during Fair. the day. And if I, you know, why all I'm doing is sitting at a desk and occasionally walk into a copier, like, you know, whatever, let me, let me wear my slippers. Well, I, took my slippers a little too far one day and walked downstairs to the vending machine. (laughs) And on my way back up, uh, I passed Steve Martin (laughs) in in a 
very narrow stairwell um and, and you know literally had to shift my body to make space for for us both to get by and he just looked down and looked back up and said cool cool shoes <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. I never heard that story before. I love that. (laughs) All right, Ben, what about you? I I actually lived in New York for seven years uh, in Brooklyn Heights. And so I ran into tons of people. Um, I saw Paul Giamatti in an elevator at Brooklyn Heights, my my subway stop, looking like he'd run into the devil uh, and kind of been drinking all night with the devil (laughs) and and, and then actually had tussled and lost and and just dragged himself home. but I think my, my favorite celebrity story is I just started watching Felicity uh, a couple of weeks ago and I'd never watched it before. And of course, you know, it's a young Carrie Russell, but Carrie Russell, I saw all of the time in my what? neighborhood and I'm glad I actually hadn't seen Felicity because I have a huge crush on her now and it would have been awful with that. Kind of, you know. <laughs> but, but one morning as I kind of was moving our very, very sketchy church van and driving it down to, you know, set up church at 6.30 in the morning. Um, I turned left onto Atlantic Avenue and there was, and the sun was coming, streaming down Atlantic Avenue in this kind of gorgeous way. It was springtime. And there was Kerry Russell on her hipster bike in the middle of the road, singing her absolute guts out, just with not a care in the world. And I almost ran over in our sketchy church van. I was just like, <laughs> whoa, Kerry, watch out. But she just looked like the absolutely happiest human ever, you know, 6.30 on a Sunday morning. You know, I was just like, I. I went off to church with this, like, man, what if we were all that happiness and I wanted because I didn't feel happy at that point. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Flamey, this question is for you because I was raised on Amy Grant Christmas. Um, and I can still <laughs> sing all the lyrics. So I'm curious, does Amy Grant know about you? Listen, listen, girl, <laughs> this is, this is my, I, I, I don't know. So she um, does now. She listens to our podcast. So there you go. <laughs> hey. Hi, Amy. Hello. Is this my audition? Um, <laughs> I, I do know that uh, friends of Amy have, have found me and said, oh my gosh, I've got to send this to her and that kind of thing. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's a gay friends of Amy Grant group online, a little secret Facebook group that I didn't know existed. Um, and they found me and uh, I you squealed with delight mm-hmm. when I discovered this group. So I was like, oh my gosh, my people, I've been looking my whole <laughs> life and you were, you were here all along long um and uh so i don't know i i'm she may have probably seen a video at this point I, I think enough people have probably sent things along but the thing is i don't really do an amy grant impersonation it's more of an homage yeah. to to her and, and my upbringing so i don't ever want her to feel like i'm trying to encroach on her territory <laughs> i very much respect you and and yeah i'm just 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 over here doing my own thing <laughs> love you amy <laughs> I actually worked with her a few years ago back at Wild oh, Goose really? Festival, the, the very the very final uh, sending ceremony. I produced that and kind of did the thing and, and Amy kind of sang a song and then uh, jumped up. It was time for communion. I mean, you know, there's thousands of people in this field and at that point it's the end of the whole weekend. So everyone's very dirty, <laughs> you know, and everyone's very tired, very mm. smelly. Um, and there's an invitation from one of my friends who's a, a queer chaplain in, in Chicago who kind of did the most beautiful call to communion. Mm. And it was, of course, you know, it's open for every single person here. And Amy walked from side stage and walked up to actually like hold the community elements and serve them to mm. people, which was incredible. You know, leaders don't do that right, kind of stuff, right? right? Mm. Like she should be back in the green room, like doing her thing. And I remember all weekend there had been this wonderful little whisper person who was floating around in a 
gold lame head to foot outfit <laughs> with with big wings and this whole thing. And this sprite of a human came to the communion table just mm. sobbing. And Amy uh, took her, you know, thing that she was holding, like you know, full of of bread, and gave it to someone, and then gave this person a hug. And I was like, I mm. see you, Amy. That's cool. Mm. I see you. That's my favorite story. She I was, love that. So she was much. like the original heretic original heathen you know yeah. like that was the yeah. first one yeah. i ever heard about like oh now we can't listen to her music yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay oh you just try mom you just try to take away my immigrant <laughs> cds <laughs> all right ben uh i know you're a craft beer connoisseur so can mm-hmm. you tell us what your favorite beer is and who makes it Oh boy. <laughs> I I I can tell you what style is my okay. favorite. I I love a super dark Russian imperial mm. stout that is, you know, 14.5%. Like the, the more alcohol yeah. the better. Um the, the the richer, the darker, the sludgier. Um so yeah, I don't have I think my favorite brewery in the world is Harveston Brewery, which is in Scotland. Mm. And they make dark beer in aged scotch barrels and um uh, yeah, every time I have one of their beers, I have a divine experience. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the one who's married to a brewer, and I hate beer. So I'm very, I'm very grateful that we share house space with Ben because my husband can take all of his his beer stuff and share that with Ben. They can have fun That's together. Awesome. I'll be over here drinking a you know a pink cocktail. <laughs> um, okay. Uh okay yeah this is this one's for both of you what was your childhood nickname Ooh my grandfather on my mother's side uh called me BJ Squeaks <gasps> or BJ Squeaks <laughs> What <laughs> What but I I had a thousand nicknames I was the guy that just always people didn't call me That's by my name That's an Australian thing too everything. right like it you just oh, yeah, everybody we, has a nickname Absolutely. And I try so hard to give Karen a nickname and she really doesn't like anything I come up with. Mm. So <laughs> it's 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 kind of a point of, of of tension in our relationship where I'm constantly trying something. She's like, I don't like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well I but where, where did BJ Squeaks come from? I, well my middle name was John. Okay. Which was his okay, so name. So he, he went by John Martin. His name was actually Alan John Martin, but he was known, you know, by John Martin. And so my middle name was John after him and we had a very very fraught relationship um and recently when I changed my name I got rid of the John so mm. um mm. so yeah but BJ was kind of something in fact my cousin the other day when I was I just talked to him on Zoom he called me BJ and I was like mm. I'm not BJ anymore you know like that's not there I took that out, initial out so nice flamey yeah. mm. I've, I've the whole time been talking. I'm trying to like rack my brain to think: Did I have a childhood nickname? And I don't. I honestly don't think I did. And I think the reason why is because. So my my birth name is Matthew, and I my mom was so insistent my whole life growing up that people call me Matthew and mm. never Matt and never Maddie and never never any other anything other than than Matthew. And um, to the point where you know. I will correct people, you know, real quickly now, mm-hmm. even now, <laughs> if, if they, if I say, hi, I'm Matthew. And they're like, oh, hi, Matt. I'm like, no, that's mm-hmm. not what I said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, we didn't, we didn't do mm-hmm. nicknames. Did I was have, have pet names, like family names or things you would call each other. Or I mean, no, my sister was squirrely girl. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything cute like that. Wow. Yeah, my family, we don't call each other by our names ever. Like my older sister and I, we just call each other woman. That's it. 
Woman. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> very tribal. My ex used to call me husband, but that's something very different. There's <laughs> always an edge. All right. All right. Last question for both of you. What is uh, one thing you've done or accomplished that you are the most proud of? Hmm. I mean, uh, honestly, for me, it really is just it, 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 it's creating the podcast and, um, I, like my pride is weird in it because I feel like I just uh, the, literally the only thing I did was roll a tape. But then like here we are five five years later. I don't know how I can't do math. Um, and I, I, there's just like a community of people around me who I love and adore, and I feel so supported by. And 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 I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but I I, I know that I you know bought a domain name, heathenpodcast.com, <laughs> and the next thing I know, there's just a a community of people who've, who've enabled me to like really, truly, fully become the person that I always wanted to be as a little kid. I, you know, I, I, I have memories of putting on high heels and playing with my mom's lipstick at like three and four. And then that stuff just got squashed in me so quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and I never revisited it until mm-hmm. my late thirties. And, and I couldn't have done, done that without the people around mm-hmm. me. So I, I guess I'm just proud to have the friends mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. They're pretty good. It's a pretty good collection of humans. You guys should come hang out with us. Hang out mm, with us. Yeah, um, love that. I, I, I've, I feel like I, I, what flashed in my head was all the different points of different things I would have said I'm proud of. And I think right now, uh, like last year, September, I put out my first album, like full length mm. album. And I've been a musician for 20 years, <laughs> and I've helped a lot of other people make records. And I've made records, you know, with bands, and I've I produced for other people. And I made a lot of Christian records, so I spent a lot of my time like building up other people's empires. Mm. And and then last year, September, you know, was, was a two year period. So from 2018, I started in March, put the first song out, and kind of was releasing songs every other month. And that was in the middle of my life falling apart, <laughs> you know, living in New York, my marriage falling apart, um, the, the church I started getting kicked out of that. And, and so it was a really shitty period of my life, quite <laughs> honestly. And I, and I, I'm so grateful to have a therapist who kind of walked me through that and held my hand through that whole thing. And, um, uh, but to me, to put an album out in the middle of all of that, you know, when I just felt like I was like hanging on by the back of my, my skin, of my teeth was just felt like a huge accomplishment. And I think, you know, this, the, record starts with a song which basically kind of starts with a lyric this is my part of the mm. story and i'm sticking to this mm. this tune uh, and and so i feel like you know here i am very similar i think to flamey like in my late well i'm in my early 40s i'm not in my late 30s anymore <laughs> <laughs> but but here i am in this kind of second half of life like actually discovering what it's like to be mm. me yeah. and it feels emotional and and crazy because I feel like I spent you know, most of my life trying to figure out who God was, right? Like we just mm. we externalize so much of that. We're just like that journey is the most important journey for you to know God. And like now I'm on a journey to like when my life fell apart. I think one of the things I said publicly before is I I looked at myself in the mirror and the question I, I deconstructed enough of God I think to understand that I wasn't going to be condemned mm. for what I did. But the question I had was like, wasn't who was God in this situation? The question was, who yeah. was I? I just had no clue. And so I think, you know, I've been fighting really hard the last couple of years to to do that. And I'm privileged to then do that in community with people and watch other people like grapple for that same kind of thing and to allow a space with Hidden Podcasts for people to tell their damn mm. stories mm. and just like get to mm. their truth. Um, and so that's the thing I'm most proud of is just 
is telling mine and then giving space for other people to tell theirs. Wow. And if you haven't heard that album yet, kids, go listen to As If Words Could Heal the Wounds by Ben Grace on Spotify. It's great. It's so good. It's a it's a phenomenal album for 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 all kinds of things, but certainly for deconstruction and for a path back to self and and, and embodiment mm-hmm. and all of those things. It's gorgeous music and you should be yeah. proud of it. Look at us just kind of give each other yeah. shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that's the only reason we started heathen is just to promote each other's shit <laughs> i love it all right ben and flamey this has been so incredible um and i think one of the beautiful things about the deconstruction community is there's no competition we simply want mm-hmm. to here, invite here. everyone Amen. in to say you belong and then come come mm. find your tribe. And maybe it's over here, maybe it's yep. over there. So for people who want to join your tribe and be about what you guys are doing, where can they find more more about you? Uh well we're we're at Heathen Podcast on all the all the social media places and heathenpodcast.com is the is the website and from there you can link to all the platforms where you can listen to us and then we, we have a, a little private facebook facebook group as well if you're looking for a space that um we intentionally keep it private just for folks who uh might be in situations where they're not comfortable mm-hmm. yet letting anybody yep. around them know that they're mm-hmm. having these deconstruction on this deconstruction mm-hmm. journey and they don't feel safe yet so it's a a private place where we can have so those conversations so for that you can just email mm-hmm. us um ask heathen at gmail.com. I'm going to make sure to put all of this in the show notes as well. So people can find it there in one place. And I will also link to your album, Ben. So everybody Mm -hmm. can find all of that in one spot. Um, You guys, thank you so much for your time today. So wonderful. I, I I was crying tears of my own here and I was not expecting that. (laughs) And so I really appreciate your thoughts and your hearts and just being willing to, be a safe place for people because mm. we often don't realize how much we need that. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm, thank y'all. We appreciate the work you're doing. And and this is, was a beautiful conversation. I yeah. loved it. This was one of my favorites we've had recently. So thank, thank you guys. You. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Aren't they just such beautiful, kind, loving people? I mean, they are truly amazing. So please make sure to check out their show. Just search heathen podcast i almost said holy heretics because i'm so used to it search heathen podcast wherever you get you get your podcasts and don't forget to sign up for our digital course making sense of the bible post deconstruction you can head to www.sophiasociety.org and tap on that announcement bar at the top to learn all the details and to become a patron of the show and don't forget that's Sophia with a PH. So S O P H I A Society.org. Next week, we are talking with another wonderful person, and her name is Kelly Lamb. She is starting a new podcast with Josh Harris. Yes, that Josh Harris. And so we're having her on the show to chat about her journey toward embracing the leader that she's meant to be, despite the patriarchy trying to stifle her every step of the way. If you're a woman, or you know women, so everybody, you should want to listen to this episode. Hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app so you don't miss it. Do it. Do it right now. And until then, have a great week. This episode was produced by the Sophia Society. Music is by Faith and Foxholes, and sound engineering is by Joshua Mudge. 